service. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. Dear Young Rocker, You were 13 when you went to your first show. You and your friend were the first ones there, awkwardly standing around the nearly empty, wood-paneled VFW room. You didn't yet know that if you actually show up at the time listed on the flyer, you'll be way too early, alone with the band setting up, if they're even there yet. But you did actually like watching those guys putting drum kits together and wheeling in amps that were so big your mouth opened when you saw them. The whole thing was exciting. But the excitement of watching the band set up didn't even come close to what happened next. The most intense feeling of your life so far. It was the feeling you'd experience when it got dark in there and the bands actually started playing with those big amps, blasting mere inches from your body. The feeling was so strong in every inch of you that despite having never been able to dance in front of anyone else, you just could not help but move to the music. And somehow that made it feel even better. It was like everything you had been longing for, body, mind, and soul. It was all there for you all at once, and nothing else mattered. But you aren't the only one who was lucky enough to have had that experience. Musical transformations can come in many colors, including black and white checks. And this week's guest, and Jim Lee Chitambo, experienced a ska show that changed everything. My name is Angemily Yvonne Chitambo. My pronouns are he, him, and they, them. I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and I grew up in Richardson, Texas. Uh, my music project is called Angemily, and I dropped my debut album called Give or Taker on September 18th, 2020, uh, with Father Daughter Records. And... I'll say remembering and getting in touch with my younger self has been uh, unexpectedly kind of sweet and tender and like a little bit embarrassing, but mostly really cute, I think. So the story takes place when I was in eighth grade so that was middle school. It was the my last year of middle school. And I was a very introverted teenager. In eighth grade, I was 14 years old. And I just felt like very, I would say like uncomfortable with my body. I feel like I had a weird puberty. I had like really long arms and like really big hands and like really big feet. And I wasn't that tall. And I just felt like really like gangly and like uncomfortable. And so I wasn't like, I wasn't super social. I was borderline antisocial. And it's not that I was like mean to folks, but I was really, really pretty shy. And I had like a small group of, of friends and I just, I was, I was super shy. 
I think the the main thing that I kind of latched onto growing up to like help me figure out my identity was music. And in the eighth grade, I was like a huge, huge, huge fan of ska and punk music. And I've gone through different phases. When I was 10, I started listening to like disco and stuff. Like my dad got a 20th century masters. It was uh, the Jackson 5 and I like listened to the greatest hits and I got super into it. I wrote a comic book for a disco superhero and his name was Afro Man. It's like a whole other thing. But so yeah, I was just into different genres when I was in the sixth grade. I got into Blink-182. When I was in the seventh grade, I kind of started exploring like jazz, like Duke Ellington and stuff. And when I was in the eighth grade, I kind of, I started exploring both punk and ska. And like in my mind, I considered myself to be like a pretty badass kid. I, I viewed myself as like kind of alternative, I guess, and like, like quote unquote, like not a follower. I was like very, I felt very independent about my identity. And I also felt like everyone at the time in the 2000s, it was like all about scene kids with like swoopy hair who were listening to like Fallout Boy and like Saves the Day and like from first to last. And like they were calling that punk. And I was like, I would never say this out loud, but I was like, I listen to real punk. Like I listen to Crass and Dead Kennedys and like Circle Jerks or whatever. So I thought I was like super, I thought I was pretty punk rock. And I used to wear uh, wristbands that I would get from Hot Topic. I had a checkerboard wristband. I had like a striped black and red wristband. At one point I had a, a Misfits wristband. My favorite outfit was like my my Misfits wristband. I had a black Blink-182 shirt that had like a hole kind of in the bottom, like just like the bottom seam of any given shirt. It was just like, it was fully ripped. And my mom ended up like throwing it away. But it was like my favorite shirt. And so that was like a black shirt, black skinny jeans, or maybe like blue skinny jeans. And then I, I have, would have a pair of black shoes, probably skate shoes. I, I identified with the punk community as a 14 year old and I used to skateboard every day. And that's something that I did from ages like 13 to like 17. And I like was never good at skateboarding. The only trick, I, I learned like three tricks. I was able to ollie, which is when you just like jump, you make your skateboard jump. And then uh, a shove it, which is when you like, you don't even make your skateboard flip, but you make it like turn 180 degrees, but like horizontally. So that's one. And then a pop shove it, which is like a combination of the of the ollie and the shove it. So I only ever was able to learn three tricks, but I really loved skateboarding and it like made me feel like a punk. And it was also super fun to do. In conjunction with this with this punk persona that I had and that like felt that resonated with me. I was also like a huge reader and English buff and writer. I would read all of the assigned books for my English classes and be like super into them. I was like super into doing my English homework. And like, I remember getting super into Shakespeare, getting getting super into Edgar Allan Poe, just like all of the classics that they showed us. Moby Dick, I was like all about it. And I just had like a love of language. And I used to keep a diary on my desktop, I would 
come home after school and sit at my desk and open up Microsoft Word. And it would just be like pages and pages and pages and pages of this diary. And I would just like scroll to the bottom and start writing. And like, yeah, I was shy. I was often embarrassed. And when I was 14, I was like a very emotional kid, but I didn't really know how to express my feelings. Like I didn't really know how to express like sadness or uh, depression or just like discomfort in a way that that felt, I don't know, right to me in social settings. I didn't like for other people to see me when I wasn't anything but like happy and chill. So my Microsoft Word diary was kind of my safe space. And I would, uh, I would journal about all my feelings and I would journal about all my crushes every night. So I developed a crush on this girl in my geography class and I'm gonna call her Kiara. She was in color guard. They're dancers at football games and they spin flags. They do like choreographed dances where they spin flags and also rifles. And so I would like see her doing that at the football games and I just like thought she was so graceful and she had like bangs and she kind of became the subject of my computer diary. And I was just like, I was just incredibly smitten and I, I, I couldn't talk to her. I was too nervous and I would just kind of like sometimes glance at her from across the room during geography or whatever. So, so Kiara had a brother and his name uh, was Eric. So one time I saw Eric like walking in the hallway and he had a, the, he, he was wearing a band t-shirt and I think it was like Operation Ivy or something and Operation Ivy is a ska band and like I was a I was a huge lover of ska and I also did not know anybody. I had never met anybody who also enjoyed ska. I had like tried showing ska music to my friends and they were like this is weird like no we don't want to listen to this. So my my intense love of ska was also like a very singular and like somewhat lonely experience. So I saw like Eric wearing this Operation Ivy shirt and I was like oh my god like Eric likes ska like that's so cool and he was like a cool kid like he had like sideburns and like he had like facial hair. Yeah, I think he was like kind of muscular. He was like, he was like kind of, he was like a cool kid. Like I think he had like one earring in his left ear and it was kind of like dressed like a punk. So I saw that he was wearing that shirt and I was like, wow, this dude is cooler than ever. And somehow I got wind of the fact that he was in a ska band. I was walking in the hallway and he saw me like wearing my ska shirt and he was like, cool shirt. And I was like, thanks. I was playing it super cool, but that's like, it's kind of a huge deal to have somebody you think is cool tell you that you are wearing something cool. So I was like, thanks. And he was like, you know, I'm in a ska band. We're called No Outlet. You should come to the show this Friday. And I was like, yeah, that sounds super cool. Um, sweet, I totally love ska, I'll see you there. And then, you know, like we kept walking like our opposite directions. And I was like, oh my God, like Eric Pilar's is in a ska band and he has a show. Awesome. So I was super pumped about this show for a couple of reasons. First of all, I had never been to a show before. And I was like, wow, my first concert, this is going to be awesome. Also the fact that uh, Kiara's brother was like in the ska band. I was like, okay. 
if I go to this show, maybe, maybe Kiara will be there. In my like, in my fantasy world, I was like, I'll go to this show, I'll like dance super cool. Um, Kiara will see me at the show and think I'm super cool, and like we'll strike up a conversation, and we will have a bunch of stuff in common, and then we will fall in love and like date, and, and then we'll just you know live happily ever after. Like I was, I just like. If I, if I can have the opportunity to see Kiara outside of school, like that would be incredible. And I'm so nervous in school, but at a show, I feel like I'll be able to like be comfortable and cool and collected and maybe she'll think I'm cool and start talking to me. So with all of this in mind, uh, I was like, okay, I'm ready to prepare for this show. So I literally started researching one, how to mosh, like wiki how, how to mosh. I wasn't sure like how aggressive the crowd was going to be. I was imagining like a huge show. So what I was doing for my for my show research was I was like looking up how to mosh and I would watch YouTube videos of people moshing at shows and like different types of styles of moshing. Like there's something called a wall of death where it's like a crowd is split in half and then they separate and then they face each other and then they run towards each other full speed. But that's like kind of like a, that's more for like metal bands. And then there's just like regular shoving and pushing moshing for like punk bands and stuff. So I looked up how to do that. And there was just tips and tricks like keep your center of gravity low. Like don't punch anybody. You're just shoving people and tie your, tie your shoelaces to your ankles so your shoes don't come off when you're like tussling around with other people. So like, okay. and I was like, okay, got it, got it, got it. And then I started looking up how to skank and skanking is a is a dance that is specific to ska and specific to ska shows. So skanking is basically when you like you kick your knees up while also bringing your elbows to either side of your body. You kick your knees up or you can just like kick your leg out. So it's basically like a it's like a kicky foot dance. You're just like kicking your feet around to the beat and ska music is like perfect for that type of dance. Um so I was like, okay, like I'm going to learn how to skank. So then I was watching videos of people skanking and reading articles on Google about people skanking, just trying to get ready. I was practicing in my bedroom, <laughs> listening to ska, being like, okay, I got to make sure I'm like a good dancer. Got to make sure I know how to do this, this, do the ska dance so I fit in. And so I'm like, you know, part of this culture here and I'm skanking in my room. My bedroom and my house was like, it was a two-story house and my bedroom was above the kitchen where my mom was cooking. And so she like could hear me stomping. And so when I came downstairs, she was like, hey, what was that sound? And I was like, oh, um, I, I must have just like fallen. I fell down. Um, I fell down when I was when I was in my room upstairs. So <laughs> uh, so after that, I realized I shouldn't like skank on the on the second floor because it's like it's also basically involves stomping. So yeah, uh, <laughs> the night of the show came and I was like, okay, I am so stoked. I had my outfit ready. I was wearing my black Blink-182 shirt, my black skinny jeans, my black skate shoes. I had my, I had wristbands on both arms, probably had my checkerboard wristband on one arm and my Misfits uh, wristband on the other. I might have had, I might have been wearing like a, a backwards like hat. And I was just like super, super excited. So 
my best friend at the time, I like asked her if she would go with me because I was like, you know, I, it was my first show. I didn't want to go alone. And my best friend was like not a fan of ska. Uh, let's call her Sarah. Sarah was not a fan of ska, but she was like, yeah, I'll go with you. And I, and I explained the situation. I was like, listen, Kiara's going to be there, I think, maybe, hopefully. And it's her brother's ska band. So like, please come with me just in case, like kind of like be my wingman, whatever that means or could possibly mean to a 14-year-old. So my buddy Sarah agrees to go with me and she she drives to my house. It's Friday night. This is like my first Friday night activity, by the way. I've never been out on a Friday night. The only activity I've ever done on a Friday night is like go to a choir concert, like go to my sister's choir concert or go to my own choir concert. So this is kind of my first time going out. Sarah drives up in her dark green Scion. We get in the car and we drive to the show. So the show is taking place at a fun little place called the Plano Center. Okay, so the Plano Center is a storefront. It is a room the size of, I would say, like a small one-roomed daycare center. It's like a very vacant room. There's a carpet and it just has the energy of like a like a vacated donut shop or something with a carpet in there. Like there is nothing to suggest in there that it could or would be or is a music venue, except for I think there was like a I think there was like a piece of wood that was the stage. And it might have been like a few inches off the ground or like a few inches wide to differentiate that it was the stage, but it was like a very it was like kind of an awkward, I think music venue is a strong word for what the Plano Center space actually was. But regardless, I was really excited. My best friend, on the other hand, uh, Sarah's not as excited. And I don't really blame her because we, we, we pull up and there's like not a lot of people there. First of all, the venue was way smaller than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and there's way less people than I thought it was going to be. So... What I'm seeing is kind of conflicting with the research that I had done earlier, but I'm still super excited because I look over and there's like a ska band playing. There's like a there's like a freaking ska band and I love ska. Ska makes me feel so incredibly like joyful and excited. And so it's like kind of an awkward vibe, but I'm also just like almost immediately like mesmerized by the band. So I'm like looking around. I see that Eric is on stage with his ska band, no outlet and like, He's playing guitar and he's singing. They have a drummer and a bassist and they have a trumpet player. And I think they might have a sax player too. They might have a tenor sax player. So they're playing, they're like rocking out. And I'm just like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. So me and my best friend are just kind of like standing there. We walk in, we like kind of like stand at the wall. Once again, there's not a ton of people and the band is playing, the groove in, they finish their song, people clap. And then they start another song. And in my opinion, they're like, they're really kind of killing it. And I'm like feeling in my body, you know, the feeling I get when I like want to dance. And in in ska shows, something that sometimes happens, and also in like other punk shows, is a circle pit. And that's when people do the skanking dance in a circle. Because when you're skanking, fun fact, you don't it's not like a mosh pit because if you tried to skank whilst also like pushing people like a mosh pit, you kind of just end up like kicking people and stuff. It's 
Skanking is a super kicky dance. So a circle, a circle pit where you're all running in the same direction in a circle kind of is like the safest, I think, way to, to skank with, with a group of people. So like a little circle pit opens up with like the very few people who are at the show. And I start getting really excited. And I look over at my friend and I'm like, yo, like, let's like go, let's dance. And she's like, mm, no, this is super lame. And I was like, okay, well, and I just like, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Then I like keep, I keep looking over at the circle pit and it just looks so fun. And I just like, there comes a point where my desire to just go in there and dance kind of like supersedes my like embarrassment and kind of the secondhand embarrassment from my friend. So I'm just like, you know what? Forget it, I'm going in there. And so I like hop in the circle pit and I start skanking with these like random people I've never met. And it feels like, it feels like fireworks exploding in my heart. It feels like, it feels like I'm being like transported to another dimension. It's like kind of like an out of body experience. And I'm just like, like smiling wildly, just like dancing in this circle and this sense of like, community kind of floods over me and I just kind of like forget all of my like anxieties and like kind of like forget all of my cares I'm just like super happy and just like super I feel free this circle pit lasts maybe like I don't know 90 seconds so it's not like a super long time but it, it feels like time slows down and I'm not like I'm not like looking over at my friend for validation I'm like not even really like looking at the band. I'm just like looking at the people that I'm like dancing with and like feeling really connected. And that's not something I, I, I used to feel a lot as a teenager was kind of like connected to my peers and even connected to my surroundings and my own body. It felt like a shift in a lot of ways. So the, the circle pit ends, like the dance ends. And I like get back, I like stand next to my best friend and I'm like kind of like breathing heavy and like kind of sweating because I was just like kicking in a circle for a minute and a half. And she's just kind of like rolls her eyes. She yeah, like has her arms crossed. She's like, okay, like, can we, okay, can we go soon? I'm like, yeah, we can go soon. I thought it was incredible. My friend was like not impressed. She was like, okay, like that was kind of lame. Show was kind of lame. And I was like, yeah, I guess that show was kind of lame. But in my head, I was like, that show was awesome. I'm going to keep going to Scott shows. I wanted to go to the show to to like, you know, experience Scott, but I also wanted to impress Eric's sister. Uh, and I honestly, I don't remember if she was there or not. Um, I don't think she was. And if she was, I didn't, I didn't see her. I didn't feel disappointed. I don't know how to describe it, but I was just super happy to be doing what I was doing with the people that I was doing it with. And it was like a super special feeling. And I think that like 90 seconds of, of just like kind of pure joy, it changed my life and it made me want to start going to more shows. So yeah, I, I showed up to school on Monday, you know, the next Monday and I just felt like, I think something that Dancing at That Ska show introduced to me that I hadn't felt since I was way younger, like nine or 10 was confidence. I like suddenly felt a little more confident in who I was as a person. And like, I kind of realized that I didn't need 
I didn't need my friend's validation as much as I thought I did. Like, I definitely cared about her opinion. And I was definitely kind of like, okay, Sarah doesn't think skanking is cool. But it wasn't like, so I'm not going to skank or go to shows. It was like, I'm, this is just not a, this is just not something I'm going to share with her. And so I like, I was like, yeah, like, I, I like ska. I'm going to keep going to ska shows. Let's fucking do it. So after that, I guess, monumental show, uh, I started going to shows, like just as regularly. And instead of going with my best friend who was like not super into the music I was with, I would just go with my dad. So my dad would chaperone me and just like drive me to these venues. And we started going to like big, real venues. I think there was like a like a Paradise City something club or, or something. There was a Starland ballroom and I would go see my favorite ska bands there. I saw Streetlight Manifesto a bunch of times. I saw Real Big Fish. Oh, I think a bunch of times, Suburban Legends, just like all these bands that I loved. I was just like, I'm going to go to this show because I love the way that dancing and music makes me feel. And I'm going to ask my dad to take me and I'm just going to do my thing. So I would go to shows. I, I mean, I spent the next like five years going to shows, mostly with my dad. And he would be in the back, like he would just stand in the back, kind of being like, okay. And I would just like hop into the mosh pit, like pushing people around, hopping into the circle pit, like sinking around. and I, And I just like, I think because Scott was not like a super popular genre, I started seeing like the same people at these shows. There was like one dude who would wear, he he would he he was dressed in like the traditional Scott outfit, which is like a fedora and uh, checkerboard suspenders and checkerboard vans, uh, and that was so he would wear that. There was this other guy who would show up in like a cow, fully in a cow outfit. I saw him at a couple of shows. And so I started kind of feeling like there was something really nice about feeling this part of this community of people that I didn't really know. I was still too introverted and kind of shy to strike up conversations with these people. But once the music started, like I was totally in it, like totally dancing with them, totally smiling, totally like engaged. And and that felt really good. I started playing guitar way more. Uh, and feeling way less uh, uncomfortable and like unconfident about my guitar skills. I started like practicing more and feeling better about it. As far as the crush, I, I mean, I, I still had a crush on, uh, on Kiara after the show, but it felt less important to me for some reason. And I think it's because I think I got a crush on going to shows and it kind of started consuming my thoughts in the way that this crush on Kiara had before. And as far as the relationship between crushes and music in my life, I think uh, music is definitely the love of my life, but it feels deeper than the love of my life. Rather the music is the expression of my soul. And I feel like everything in my life happens within the context of that expression. So all of my relationships that have happened in my life, friendships, uh, girlfriends, friends, roommates, I feel like all of this just happened within the context of my relationship to the expression of my soul, which is, which is music. Basically going to that show taught me, it was like a little taste of self-love. It was a taste of self-love that I hadn't felt in a long time. And 
my like teenage years would continue to be rough. Like <laughs> it was, it was really hard. Um, but like m- music and shows kind of became a companion to me and kind of helped remind me of self-love, uh, which is something that I would often forget. My relationship to self-love is, is always growing and, and shifting. So all that said, I guess I have some words from my younger self. Dear Young Rocker, first of all, crushes are totally normal. You're not weird because you have a crush. And it's also not weird that you're a girl and you have a crush on a girl. It's called being gay. Well, in your instance, it's called being gay. There are many different identities. Uh, in regards to sexuality and gender. But in your instance, it is called being queer <laughs> and gay. So that's that's totally cool. When you're older, you're going to meet a bunch of awesome people in the queer community. So even though it sometimes feels scary and lonely, don't worry. Like, you won't be alone in this forever. Another thing I should tell you is that, like, romantic relationships aren't the most important thing in your life. Um, the relationship between you and you is the most important thing in in your life. So I guess, yeah, just remember that. Like crushes are super fun, have a fun time, and also remember to to take care of yourself and like be checking in on, on your feelings and prioritizing your needs. Um, because you, you're important, you're loved, you are, honestly really awesome and hilarious and beautiful and I don't think that you I know that you don't know that I know that you don't believe that but that's okay because I know and I and I'm telling you I know you don't believe me but you'll you'll believe me uh, when you're older keep playing guitar um, keep going to shows keep feeding your love of music it's gonna become uh, just a, a more and more beautiful and lovely and exciting part of your life. Um, and it's going to help you when things get tough um, and things are going to get even harder than they are now. So don't forget. Also, so you're an alcoholic and I know for a fact that you will not listen to any of this, um, but it's going to be really hard and you're going to hate yourself and you're going and you're not going to understand um why you feel sick and why you can't control yourself um and it's going to be really lonely and isolating and painful and dark um and then you're going to get better and live to tell the tale and you'll help other people and you're going to be a sober role model for a lot of people and you're going to learn how to love yourself and how to take care of yourself and how to love others. You're going to learn what compassion means. And you're going to learn, I guess, just how truly and singularly luminous uh, life can be when you're present and aware and trying to show up as your best self. So good luck, motherfucker.
Life really can be luminous when you pay attention to it. And one way to do that is to participate in live music. Whether you're playing it or just feeding off of the energy coming from the stage or corner of whatever strange little room you happen to be in where people decided music should be made. I'm so thankful for each place I've gotten to experience music in. From creepy mildewy basements shoved up against a water heater, to tiny living rooms sitting on stained carpets, to barns, warehouses, parking lots in the middle of nowhere, a bike store after hours with a tortoise walking around, and even old bear cages at an abandoned zoo. But what's even more special than the interesting place you find yourself in is being surprised by music you had no idea you were about to hear and the new feeling it gives you. I also love the experience of going to a show alone and getting to be inside the same feeling as the cool-looking strangers standing next to you. It all feels so normal to me that it's easy to forget what a gift it really is to have a life like this. But after this year, I'm sure my first weird little show will have some of that spark I felt at 13. I need it. Please, everybody, listen to Ann Jim Lee's music. Give or Taker is a really amazing album. I have not yet gotten sick of listening to it, and I often find its melodies randomly drifting through my brain, usually when I wake up in the morning. So I'll catch you later, and don't forget to pick it up. Next time on Dear Young Rocker. Claire Ghost transports us back to her difficult upbringing in Singapore when she was kicked out of her house as a teen for being true to herself. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. It was created and is produced, written, and hosted by me, Chelsea Erson. I also created the theme song. Colin Fleming helps with sound design and mixing, and Auto Clamor provides editing and production assistance. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please let me know by sending in a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also hang out with me virtually by following at Dear Young Rocker on Instagram. Please do not hesitate to send me a message there. And also follow Double Elvis for news about all of our new cool music podcasts. And if you'd like some snazzy DYR buttons or a t-shirt, go to doubleelvis.com shop. As always, the best thing you could ever do for this show is to share it with someone who you think would like it. Or just everyone you've ever met. Thanks, rockers. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.